words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. And the topic is the sent ones, the sent ones, the sent ones. I think it's so simple. I don't need, if I need to define sent or anything like the ones who have been sent by God. You know, over this week, God said to speak to me and saying to me, I had like a strong word said, this is the season of the great sending forth. Men, women, boys and girls, even whole campus communities will emerge of the scent. This is because the fields are wide and ready unto the harvest. You know, our schools may be full of disease and drugs, sex drive and libido. Married men may be chained to their side chicks and drunk on money and achievements. Our political atmosphere may be full of unrighteous deals and horse trading, corruption, rigging and violence. Economic trade centers around the world are crazy with over speculation, greed and hostile takeovers. Men outgame and outplay each other as a normal sea of life. Hearts are heavy at the personal level and pressures as, as economies shrink and power play drown food baskets across the nations of the world. The streets are hungry. Justice is nowhere to find. Robberies, rape, innocent blood fills the cities of the earth. Our villages too. That is why God decides to call. It is into this confusion and melee that God sets aside a people for himself. They are called the sent one. They are a different breed. They are the tribe of Issachar. They are the tribe of Benjamin. They are the company of the firstborn. They are the church of the living God. In every generation, this has always been God's model. God had an Enoch in the world of Adam. God had a Noah for the world of apostasy. God had a Moses for the lost tribe of Egypt. God has a Joshua to take the people into the promised land. God had a Jeremiah to lament God's people into exile. God had a Daniel to pray them back. God had a Daniel to pray them back. And Ezra and Nehemiah to rebuild the broken walls of the city. God always, always used men. God never did anything without calling people and asking them to partner with him. God never did anything from heaven. God doesn't jump down from heaven to change things. He uses people on earth. If God wants to walk today, he will call ordinary people and begin to pour his power in them. From the time of Moses, God began to indicate that his real interest is not just one man. He's a nation of people. His whole nations. So God took the children of Israel. God took Jacob, broke him on the ground and Jacob scattered into 12 and God began to use the 12 tribes of Israel and God began to say, now I need a nation. Let every one of you become a nation. So when God takes a man today, guess what God has in mind? He has in mind a nation. He found the nation of Israel and he had to return them back to their land. And God sent Moses for that assignment and Joshua to complete it. But it wasn't about Moses. It wasn't about Joshua. It was about the nation. It was about the nation. 
that God wanted to build. Today, God's nation is the church. Said the church. Believers who call upon him in every space. Now he calls them out. This is the time of the sending. This is the time of the sending. And when God sends you, it's not just about you. It's about the nation that you are to build. It's about the nation that you are about to build. God calls people and says to them, build me a nation. So today, God will call people into the political space. Today, God will call people into the business sector. Today, God will call people into education. Today, God will call people into the mountains of Esau. Today, God will call people into the mountains of the Gigasites or the Jebusites or the Perizzites or the Ammonites. Whatever hidden place, God causes people to infiltrate those places. God is calling you today to enter into the legal world. God is calling you today to enter the justice world. God is calling you today to enter the realm of turning sinners into righteousness. Why? Why is this so? Because God is interested in all his people. The Bible says, for God so loved the church <laughs> the Bible says for God so loved the world the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the earth biological natural earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof then he says something else the world and they that dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's. The world also belongs to Him. So when we are sent, we shouldn't only believe that we are sent only to the house of God. We are sent to the, we are sent to the earth. First of all, natural earth, which was cursed because of Adam and Eve. We are sent as redeemers to the earth flora and fauna so wherever you are let redemption begin say that to someone let redemption begin wherever you are let there be a sense of sanity let there be a sense of conquering that atmosphere that is why I am so insistent on excellence that's why I fight everybody in my world I cannot handle mediocrity I cannot handle people who do things half measure why? because I'm a redeemer say I am a redeemer you are supposed to redeem the earth at the basic level our redemption must touch plants must touch animals must touch nature must touch the seas the oceans of the world the first person to redeem the earth is not Greenpeace <laughs> it's not environmental scientists God is the one who says multiply subdue conquer the earth and replenish it Genesis part of our mandate is to redeem the earth and then the Bible says the world and those that dwell, dwell therein. What does the world mean? It means politics. The world means what? Politics. It means government. It means culture. It means 
business, the world, it also belongs to God. Let's never ever get to a point when we feel that the spiritual realm belongs to God and the temporal realm belongs to the devil. No, the world also belongs to Jesus. Say amen. So God is now calling out people. Why does he call out people? Number one, Mark chapter 3 verse 14. He appointed 12 who he also named apostles. In Greek is apostolos. So that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. The number one reason God calls a people is to be with him. It's not for any assignment. God doesn't like servants. God likes sons. He calls you to be with him. Can you believe that the real reason why Jesus called his 12 disciples was for them to be with him? I just want to be where you are. Dwelling daily in your presence. Take me to the place where you are. I just want to be with you. God wants to be with you. For some people here, he's asking you, why have you been so far from me? I called you to be with me. I just delight in you. You are the color of my world. You are the one for whom I died. Number one thing is not to preach first, is to be with him. Then I will give you my heart. When you preach, you will always preach my heart because you've been with me. To be with God. The first reason of your sending is not for you to change the world. The first reason of your sending is to be with God first. So many of us jump into changing the world. We are rushing to go and make impact. But we haven't been with the master. Come stay. Come be with him. Come abide. How many of us have been sent into the into dark places in the industry? You know your industry is messed up. You need power. The whole idea of being with God is like magnet. It's magnetism. So magnet, if magnet rubs on metal, the metal becomes magnetic. The next moment you see the metal begin to attract other metals because he's been with a magnet. God has that magnet. We read it this morning, John chapter 15, verse 5. Abide in me and you shall bear much fruit. I release the grace of abiding upon every one of you. I release the grace to abide. Just lift up your hands and say, I receive the grace to abide. I receive the grace to dwell. I receive the grace to tarry. I receive the grace to pray. Can you pray in the Spirit for a minute? That's the Holy Spirit shifting the atmosphere and coming closer to your heart right now. 
just pray kanoste bagalino staino umaninki da zalamo ruta bika shalamba rukesa handi se kamalita drenched in the power of the spirit of god dwelling in the place where your mind belongs to god inebriated not by wine or alcohol but full of the spirit of god may you be truly full in the name of jesus christ number 1 a people to be with him number 2 luke chapter 9 verse 1 and 2 luke 9 1 and 2 and then jump to verse 10 Luke 9 1 and 2 Can I have Luke 9 on the screen Can someone help me Luke 9 and 2 1 2 go let's read together Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure all diseases Verse 2 He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He never sent them without giving them power. Verse 1, he gave them power and authority. Verse 2, he sent them to heal the sick. The number one, number two reason why God calls us is to heal the sick. Is to drive out devils. Is to preach. To heal the sick. to drive out devils and to preach you are called not to be a quiet witness to but to be a speaking witness there's a temptation in today's world that we don't have to speak i think there's this quote by that adults ascribed to saint francis of assisi saying oh preach by all means possible if necessary use words that's a lie you always use words some of us has been waiting for people to come and tell us after 10 years oh we see the christ in you can you lead us to christ it doesn't happen in the end i used to be a street preacher one day god told me i used to give out tracts on the streets god told me don't only give tracts today you talk you talk So I started speaking to people one on one. After a while, God says to me, "No, you not speak one on one. You stand on the podium and you throw out your voice." Next time, He told me, "You need to use a megaphone." <laughs> Don't be so ashamed and caught up with what people think about you that you don't do the most important thing in your life. Some of us are so stuck on what people's opinions of us are. Someone asked me this week and said, "Do you believe in preaching in the bus?" I said, "I've seen preaching in the bus of all types." I used to travel a lot by road from Lagos to Abuja. And there used to be long bus, this long night bus, and there used to be preachers every night in the long bus. They can hear the chuku, God is good, uh, yeah. ABC, ABC was very popular at this time. Now, and One one time there was this guy who said preaching give your life to Christ after a while say saying also I'm a businessman I have bubo niche 
was like, what's Bogoni? He said, like, he can heal everything. He can heal bile, he can heal cancer, he can heal heart disease. One, one medicine, I'm like, wow. <laughs> this must be the biggest scientific innovation. Why hasn't the world heard of this? But this man had it in the boss. In the end, everybody felt so defiled. And then he took an offering on top. So somebody asked me, do I believe in preaching in the bus? Not that type. Not that type. Some of those people should be chained and taken to prison. But one day I entered the bus as we were arriving in Abuja early in the morning. At this time it used to be night, so it was like seven hours. So by about 5 a.m. we were around Lokoja and the person tapped, clap, claps, tender slap and said, good morning everyone. I'm so sorry to rouse you from your sleep. But this morning, can we thank the Lord who has given us this journey in mercy? Can we bless his name for taking us on this beautiful enterprise that we are now near our destination? Whatever your business is that you're going to do in Abuja today, it will be, be blessed by the Lord. May the Lord go ahead of you. May he be like dew upon you. May grace be given to you. I know some of you here, your relationship with the Lord may be sprained. What a perfect time to wake up in the middle of this morning and just give your life to Christ again. My, my goodness, like it was like cold water on everybody. Please, be led of the Spirit. Before you preach publicly. <laughs> we were sent to preach. But never preach without being filled. Never be, preach without having insight. Never preach without touching the God which you are standing out to represent. That's how many people fall into all types of arguments and fights unnecessarily because they haven't been with the Spirit of God. God always gives you an angle. God always gives you a perspective. God always gives you an open joint to the hearts of the people you're supposed to minister to. And you will just realize that this is the person to whom you are sent. Say amen. See, I am to heal. I am to drive out devils. I am to preach. I can hear it this morning. Say, I am to preach. We are all called to preach the gospel. We are all called to declare the good news. We are all called to wield great grace and present the testimony of Christ. Acts chapter 4 verse 33. And with great power, the apostles continued to give the testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was on them all with great power they continued to give a testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ they saw something and because they saw something they could declare it So, something else I want to add. There's so many things we're called to do. I just want to take two more and then I'll round up. One, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Okay, start from verse 6. Verse 6.
nor did we seek let's read this together verse 6 and 7 one to go nor did we seek glory from man from you or from others when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ verse 7 but we were gentle among you just as nursing mothers cherishes her own children there's so many lies that have been told about apostles being uncaring Apostles are not, they don't care how you feel. They just command what you want, what they want you to do. That's a lie. This apostle Paul, the biggest apostle of all, saying I could have come to you and make demands. But one of the things I became was like a mother. The job of pastoring, the past job of motherhood, the job of apostleship is the job of motherhood where we nurture the children of God. We want you to come and, we want you to come and thrive in the presence of your father. We want you to do well in godly things. We want to be careful among you to carefully journey with you until the grace of God is released. In pastoring, this is one of the things that God will have you to do, to care. Even the toughest of us, because we all have our natural inclinations. Some of us are not people persons. You know how we say, I'm not a people person. I hate people, you know, I don't want people in my space, you know. Once you become anything to do with God, in fact, in heaven, God doesn't have titles. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, they will not enter heaven. But it's not to say that these offices are defiled. Because sometimes we begin to act, Pastor Isi and I were speaking yesterday, and some people act as if pastor is a curse word. And because of that, I ran away from being called a pastor for the longest time until my dad forced me to say I'm a pastor. I never want to be associated with pastors. Of course, there are so many people who have done, done wrong things in God's name. But you know, no doctor ever goes and says, oh, arrives in the hospital room, opens the door and says, hello, my patient. You know, there are many quack doctors, but I'm not quack. I'm not really quack. I'm real. I'm real. I went to UI. I have a certificate. In, I have an MBBS. No doctor ever said, oh, I have a PhD from ABU University Teaching Hospital. No doctor ever said, just go open the door and start treating you. Regardless of the number of quacks, do you know after every 500 level of medical school, like literally half the class goes without their medicine degrees. And if you've been studying medicine from year one, year two, year three, year three, year four, year five, what do you think medicine is doing inside you? Whether you are sent out or not, you're already a doctor. There's so many quacks. That's the number of quacks you have in the society who are offering medical advice. On Instagram, there's so many now in the day where everybody can speak. Quack, come and see my screen serum, my, uh, my son's screen serum. <laughs> Let me go to the other side <laughs> because there's some people there. So many quack mixing concussions and say this one if you touch your body skin popping. It's quack. Say Dr. Quack. Say to somebody Dr. Quack. <laughs> but no doctor ever stands and says, Oh, I'm not one of the quacks. They just administer medicine. Neither should any pastor have to apologize for being genuine, for being authentic, for being called by God, for being assigned by God into their role. In the heavens, just be good with heaven. Just stay with Jesus Christ. 
just make sure that you are in tune with heaven you don't have to apologize you don't have to apologize be the real deal so you don't have to apologize <laughs> that example just took my heart out and my heart is just beating fast <laughs> just in case you are here and you are Dr. Quack I apologize in advance don't come and fight me afterwards <laughs> I have so much fun but nobody in church knows that I'm even joking <laughs> There's only one danger sign. Don't do it alone. There's only one danger sign. I give you many words of commendation, but only one word of caution. If the devil wants to attack you, he isolates you. Don't do it alone. Do it in the company of your brothers. How many of you know that Pastor Nigel is like my father? Do you understand? He has like a bishop, bishop role in this church. He's not the pastor, but he can tell me what to do. Do you understand? I surround myself with strong men who can call me to order. Do you understand? I allow myself to be regulated. You cannot be doing it alone. Don't do it alone. Don't hide yourself and say, I know what to do. The Lord is speaking to me. Regulate yourself with another human being. Never be without your garments. Don't allow the devil to stain your white, according to what they say. Never allow the devil to stain your white. <laughs> There's a final scripture I'll read. Matthew 22, verse 11 to 15. Matthew 22, I would like us to read this together. Matthew 22, one, two, go. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. The king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. I read about three, four commentary on verse 11, and this is bands. He came into his common he came in his common and ordinary dress as he was taken from the highway. And though he had not a garment of his own suitable for the occasion, yet one was provided for him if he had applied for it. His not doing it was expressive of a higher disrespect for the king. This beautifully represents the conduct of the hypocrite in the church. A garment of salvation might be his, performed by the hands of the Savior and died in his blood. But the hypocrite chooses the filthy rags of his own righteousness and thus offers the highest contempt for that provided into, in the gospel. The hypocrite is to blame for being invited, not for being invited, not for coming. 
if he would come, for he's freely invited, but for offering the highest contempt to the king of Zion in presenting himself with all his filthy and rags and in refusing to be saved in the very way provided by the king. The whole idea was the king opened up the entire highway and said, everybody should come in. Whoever you are, no matter how you are, all should come in. But they have a tradition that as you come to the wedding party, you are giving a dress. Everyone is what? Giving a dress. So the Lord of the feast comes and finds one person who rejected the dress that was given. Do you know how many of us reject the righteousness of God? It's not about, you, you come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are. Sinner, whatever, come as you are. But don't stay the same. Accept the work which God has done for you. This was the problem. It wasn't in the coming. It wasn't in the response. It was just the fact that the guy chose to wear the same garments. Some of us has a, have a problem with the God who discriminates, who tells us to stop, who tells us to go. We want to do things our own way. This is contempt for God. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Come as you are, but as you have arrived, begin the journey of changing. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to speak about three people. One, the Reverend Ida Michaels Ogbaji. That's my father. In 1990, exactly, my dad became the pastor of Assemblies of God in Junction Road, Kaduna, one of the biggest Assemblies of God churches in the north. And I was just coming from university. I think I was 20 years old or so. That gives away my age, right? And my dad was traveling, so he decided that he left his deacons and decided that I was going to be the preacher of the day. He turned out an entire 2,000-man congregation to me and asked me to preach. I entered crisis. You know, I felt like, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started to pray. I fasted and prayed for three days. On the third day, around 5 a.m., our house was right on the highway. I heard the tap, wake up, wake up. I woke up and stepped down. And then the Holy Spirit says, walk. I walked down that road to the roundabout, the roundabout, stadium roundabout. Walked past it to the Banawa River Bridge crossing. On that bridge, the Holy Spirit says, stop. And I looked down. Early in that morning, there was a launderer a guy who was washing clothes. And then I heard the voice of the Spirit say to me, I delight in purging. I delight in washing. I rejoice when I see people being cleansed. Think about the aftermath of what this guy has done. He says, I delight, there are two words he gave me, I delight in purging and I delight in healing. I came home very happy that day because <laughs> I had a word for 8 o'clock service. This was 5 a.m. <laughs> I don't know why God 
does this last minute. And I came and I preached. The whole place blew out. Everybody started calling me pastor, but I was still the same rascally boy. I used to love student union demonstrations so much. I love Aluta. I love Aluta. Oh my God, I love Aluta. <laughs> the hypocrisy of the Babangidas administration has been detected. Nigerian students, we shall not agree. Stand up and fight for your rights. The civil servants have been bought. The economic marketplace has been bought. The only voices remaining right now in this nation is the student voice. Greatest Nigerian student. Greatest of the greatest of the greatest of the great. Great, 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 great. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> small, I'll mount the rostrum and cause everybody's blood to boil. <laughs> and after a while, we'll just say kulu, kulu, kulu temper. Even though we're agitated, we shall be strategic. <laughs> we'll not... <laughs> My dad took that rascally man and made him to preach. God began to come into me in a powerful, I saw it turning in the road that day. I saw it turning in the road. I could imagine what God wanted me to be and to do. It doesn't mean that I just followed next. No, there was a lot of journey. But years later, when my dad died, the biggest preparation I had for ministry was from my dad. The second person I met who was very significant in my ministry growth was a man called the Reverend Emmanuel Canos. Reverend Emmanuel Canos is a crazy man. You know, I told you one story here about how he told somebody during prison worship is very passionate. All of you stand up and worship. That's where he stands. Somebody was sitting down. I said to him, I said to you, wisdom is my brother, so I can use him to do a demonstration. I said to you, stand up and worship. The guy stood, sat. He took the mic from the church and said, I sent his brother now to stand up. <laughs> to stand up and worship. The guy said, the guy was just looking at him like, try me. He said, before I was a pastor, I was a banterweight boxer. I'm going to kick you out of this church. This is a private church. <laughs> the guys didn't stand up. He's a tough guy. <laughs> so he brought the song again. Almost like a time of... <laughs> last, last, the pastor <laughs> carried this guy and threw him at the door. Lifted him, big hefty guy, Ken. Took him and threw Ken at the door, bang! Ken fell and crashed in the middle of the chairs by the door. Then he went, I went and kicked him out and closed the door and said, don't come back here. <laughs> okay, you guys think I'm bad? Look at who trained me. <laughs> he obviously has a temper problem but he's the most passionate man for God I know. 
the most passionate. He could cry one minute. He could worship for hours. He taught me to pray. It was him who taught me to pray. We'll pray for three days non-stop. We'll go on Friday. We won't come back until Sunday morning. We'll leave on Sunday at 7. We expect to be back in church by 9. After weekend prayer and fasting. No food. No water. He later discovered we're doing communion on Saturday night. <laughs> so communion, which is small wafer, we now bought loaf of bread. <laughs> pastor will not quench us. <laughs> I learned doggedness from him. I don't give up. You may never hear my voice rise. You may never see me shout at people, but I don't give up. I have a resiliency. It was born from the place of prayer. For you to journey into everything God wants you to be, you need that power of never giving up. You need that power of stay. And to that, I credit my father in the Lord and honor him, the Reverend Emmanuel Kanas. The third person I want to mention is Pastor Tony Rappum. What many people do not know about this man is actually about the number of things that he has done. People know him from Freedom Foundation and the work he has done in this city. But I remember him the day Pastor Rono's son died. And he called one of the junior pastors and took the baby from off of Pastor Rono. Pastor Rono had been waiting for the, for the fruit of the womb for like maybe 15 years before then give birth to the baby, we dedicated the baby together, everybody happy. Ten days later, the boy was dead. It was such a sorrowful time. It was in that time I saw Pastor Tony be a father to Pastor Rona. Like I didn't ask their permission to share this story. This is my own takeaway. Yeah so crazy I remember him for that personal that personal not, I don't remember him for innovation I remember him for his heart of care for some particular people there's another lady who I knew from just called Olufunto she had become sick with anorexia she lived in Palm Grove and every week two times a week Pastor Tony would drive first thing in the morning to Palm Grove to pray with Olufunto until she died. You see, our job is not to make everybody live. Some people will die in our hands. The biggest assignment for a pastor is not the miraculous. It's to stay with broken humanity when God doesn't do it. It's to stay with people until they pass away. It's to hold a cancer patient in the hospital when their entire body is frail and to stay. 
our assignment as the people of God is not only to have good times our assignment is to stay with the hurting is to stay when there are no answers when we ourselves at the edge of our lives despair for very life itself but we are given life while being broken ourselves one day a sister in this church called me and cried on the phone for 10 minutes because she was in pain and I ran mental like my like I had to call Pastor Fred I said Pastor Fred let's pray for this woman I feel like she's going home today but it's not yet her time she still has so much to do I left the cafe where I was drinking tea and stepped on water was <laughs> many people do not know about those things those are not the things to share because of people's confidentiality I don't share about my scattered congregation and the pain which people carry into the night miscarriage a report that I have now become I'm reaching menopause. How can a young girl reach menopause? Are you going to stay when there's no solution? Of course God heals. He chooses who he's going to heal. Of course we're called to stay with the Father and know who he's going to heal. But if you jump from healing to healing, you will only jump from high to high. Nobody lives like that. You have to go high, then go low. And go high, and go low and go with the broken emotion of dealing with failed humanity this world is not yet perfect and as ministers of the living God this is the mightiest thing we do it's not in the accolades it's not in the citadels we build it's not in the institutions we form it's in the stay power when life makes no sense May God strengthen every one of us not to be fickle Christians, not to be casual people who run when it becomes difficult. May God strengthen every one of us to be the people who calls upon the oil of the Spirit to pour grace and life upon us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Pray for yourself. You say, Lord, I want to be that man who stays when it's hard. I want to be that woman who is consistent when it's difficult. I want to be that person who stands through thick and thin. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. I bless you. I worship you. Anoint me, Lord. Anoint me, Lord. I Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 